I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe back with you once again. Rob, what's up, man? Busy time, Andrew, as we were talking before we started to record. Things are coming at us fast and furious right now. They absolutely are. There's so much to get to, and obviously we're going to start with Iowa men's basketball, this team, uh, senior night tonight over at Carver Hawkeye Arena. But before we get to tonight's game and, and looking at the seniors and things, I wanted to recap a little bit of, of the win Saturday uh, against Penn State. 77-68, to Iowa's 20th win on the season, 11th in Big Ten play. And uh, not, not a great start for this team, and not a great start for Luca Garza, but you get CJ Frederick back. Joe Wieskamp had had a little more of, of an uh, himself game. Another great game from the the three bench players, and uh, a great end of the first half, and a fantastic start to the second half was really kind of the story of the game. As Penn State never really threatened in the second half. No, and I when I was watching that game early on, I was like, man, uh oh, this Penn State yeah. team looks pretty good. They are good. That's so that's a solid win for Iowa, without question. And you know, it just it, it, Iowa's done that this year at home. They kind of feel their way in the first half sometimes, and then just find a time it happened to be at the beginning of the second half the other day uh it was later against wisconsin and ohio state and michigan um but they have that run they they make they get that you know the they put it together and and those guys said the other day that they were not happy with how they played in the first half had a one-point lead uh but did not play that well in the first half especially defensively uh came out and kind of put their foot down to start that second half and that was the goal that's what they talked about in the locker room and they went out and executed it and really took control early in that second half that first four minute block and uh, Penn State just couldn't recover you know uh, from uh, on TV it looked like CJ Frederick was was full speed uh, you know as close to 100 percent as anybody can be you know as we go into March of a college basketball season uh, being there Rob did, did you notice CJ Frederick uh, was he wincing or limping at all or did he look 100 percent? He looked fine, Andrew, and we talked to him after the game, and he said he felt good, and he had said that, I think we had a press conference on Friday, the day before the game, and we asked Fran, and we asked 
him kind of how he knew that it was time, you know, that he was ready to come back. And he said he practiced pretty much full out on Thursday, woke up Friday and did not feel sore. Mm. And that was kind of, you know, the green light for him that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. And I didn't see any ill effects with him on Saturday on either end of the floor. And Joe Wieskamp, uh, you know, not not a great game from the floor, especially for him. A one for four from three point three, a ten from the field, but made all six of his three thro- free throws, had six rebounds, uh, played some good minutes, and scored thirteen points. Maybe not fully kind of back from whatever this slump or what, whatever we're going to call it is, but hopefully tonight he can kind of break out and, and become the. Uh, you know the the score that we all uh, know he can be, expect him to be, and and probably need him to be in March. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I and again, I, I talked to him on Friday before the game, and a lot of times when you ask guys the question, are they feeling pressure, or you know, are, are they playing tight? They'll find a way to avoid that question or deny that it's happening. But Joe admitted that on Friday. Mm. He said he feels like he's just putting too much pressure on himself because he knows with the short bench and especially when CJ was out, he was, you know, they were relying so much on him in the deep. But, in you know, in conjunction with that, the defenses were, were you know, paying so much attention to him that it was tough. He wanted to perform, but teams were trying to do everything they could to take him away. And that's just a tough spot to be in. I thought he played a little more loose. On Saturday, he hit his first three, talked to him after the game. He thought that would get him going, but he just his shot's a little off right now. Um, but shooters go through these slumps. We had uh, we had Matt Gatons on our, our Big Hour podcast in Cedar Rapids on Friday night, and obviously he was a great shooter at Iowa. Now he's an assistant at Drake, and he talked about, you know, you just go through those slumps sometimes, and you just kind of work your way through them. You don't – you know, you watch the film and you try to figure it out, but eventually they break out. And and Joe's a good shooter, Andrew. He'll, he'll be fine, and maybe tonight's the night. And uh, I got to think that these guys <laughs> – they got whooped in West Lafayette. Yes. And I, <laughs> I got a sense yesterday <laughs> – during the press conference that they uh, they have this one circled. That was embarrassing loss down in West Lafayette, 104 to 68 or whatever it was. Senior night tonight. I, I think we're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna see a pretty motivated Iowa team. Eight o'clock tip tonight. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna be in attendance. I can't wait to cheer for these seniors, especially you know Ryan Creener, who who has you know his his entire career. He's just he's done what he's been asked to do. He's always done it well. Uh, he's always been a little underappreciated. I think this year finally getting some of the appreciation uh, because he's just had to play so much. Not just because there's a short bench, but in, in the time that C.J. Frederick has been out, he's stepped into that starting lineup and and been. Been a really uh, nice kind of counter to to Luca Garza down low, so that'll be fun to see him. Obviously, Bakari Evelyn just his one season here, but he's really kind of hit a stride these last four or five games. He's really kind of figured himself out. I think F- figured out his role in this offense. Hit a big three the other day against Penn State, and uh, and I think he'll get some appreciation as well. And then uh, I believe we're they're going to honor Riley Till as well tonight. Yes, Riley uh, is a redshirt junior, so he's been here four years. He came in with the Creener, Bohannon, Pencil class. Those four guys were in that. Riley walked on initially. He's on scholarship this year. He's going to finish up with Iowa, and Fran talked about this yesterday. 
you know, Iowa's going to do whatever he, you know, whatever it can to place him somewhere if he's looking to play another season as a graduate transfer, or he may just go out and go into the workforce. Fran mentioned uh, Darius Stokes, uh, who was on the similar path. He he played four years at Iowa, redshirted one year, and then played his last year at Fairleigh Dickinson out in, uh, I believe that's out in Connecticut, maybe New, uh, is it Connecticut? I don't know, somewhere out that way. Um, but he, uh, and then I think Darius ended up being on the coaching staff there too so it's going to depend on what Riley wants to do uh spoke with uh Cordell Pemsel about him yesterday and you know what he's meant to the team he's a kid that uh Cordell played with at Dubuque Wallert uh and then they came together to to Iowa City and have been friends for a long time and I think it's, you know, for, for fans and for media, we, we focus a lot on the numbers and statistics and what guy's doing on the floor. But we, we I think you realize that there are, there are guys on teams that, that may not get to play, whether it's, you know, guys that maybe are just special teams players or practice players in football or guys that are practice players in basketball. But think about with all the injuries this year, what a guy like Riley Till means just in practice, getting guys prepared and then giving the minutes he was able to give this year um these guys are all important you know it's there's a reason why they have this many you know that many guys on a team whether it's 100 plus on football or you know walk-ons in basketball these guys are all valuable members of the team and i encourage people i I know there's not much of the season left but watch those guys on the bench when the guys that are in the game that are playing a lot of minutes do well there's nobody happier you know, in that arena than the guys at the end of that bench. That's really cool. And, you know, hopefully, as you said, a revenge game tonight. Hopefully Iowa can build the type of lead that Riley Till can get some minutes late in the game and uh, kind of have one last kind of standing ovation uh, you know, thing in front of the, the Carver-Hawkeye crowd. And here we are again, Rob. We're, what, eight minutes or so into a podcast, and we've yet to mention Luca Garza's name. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're taking him for granted necessarily, but we've come to expect production from him that um, maybe you shouldn't come to expect from anybody. 25 points and 17 rebounds against Penn State, seven offensive rebounds, and was really able to, to kind of stay a factor in that game even early on when his, his offensive game wasn't quite there. Late in the game, it felt like, ooh, is he going to get to that 20? And then, of, of course, he did because that's what he does. <laughs> and, and now, what, 14 in a row? And that, that's a new Iowa record? Yeah, broke Fred Brown's record of 13 set back in 1971. So he continues to perform at historic levels around here and then you know within the conference as well um still keeps his scoring average in that area that you know is 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 as high in the big 10 as you know glenn robinson from 1994 which we've talked about on the podcast and you know if you look at it from just a post player from a center player center perspective it's been like 50 years since somebody's averaged as many as he has uh in the big 10 as a center so yeah just doing historic things and he had a rough first half the other day in terms of shooting i think he was three was he three for 12 yeah and then came back and i think made eight of whatever it was eight of 12 in the second half something like that that but he was talking about it after the game that was a physical game and he was getting pounded i was shooting photos on that end and they were just hammering him and the officials and to luca's credit after the game he said i love playing in physical games like that and and it was going both ways i was i was hammering people on the other end they were hammering me and we just kind of played through it so big 10 basketball at its finest and uh I imagine it'll be physical tonight against 
Purdue, and I know it will be physical on Sunday uh, in Champaign. That's the one that uh, these teams are both have circled on the calendar after the first meeting. No question about that. You know, Luca Garza is, is really going to start filling up the, the record books here. Uh, I think he's 13 points shy of the Iowa single-season record of 699 points, so we expect him to probably get that tonight and obviously still has several games left. Um, and then I saw somebody tweet uh, over the weekend that he's – Close probably isn't the right word, but he he is within striking distance of Roy Marble for most points scored in a career at Iowa. Now, obviously, he would have to come back next year and put up similar numbers to what he's putting up this year. Um, But uh, I think the thing I said I I saw was if he had 20 points per game for 31 games, he would eclipse Roy Marble's record. And, And just to think about that is incredible for a guy who... As a freshman, I saw leadership qualities and I saw uh, a level of play that that I was I was excited about. And the same thing as a sophomore, and he you know he had this the removal of the cyst and uh, some medical issues last year. I I thought that that's the player he was. I had no idea he was the type of player who he is now, who is the front runner for Big Ten Player of the Year and starting to get a lot more. There's a lot more noise now around the National Player of the Year candidacy. I'm not sure it's enough noise, uh, and us here in Iowa can can yell all we want. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, and I think how he plays in these next couple of games will will have a big factor in that. If you ask me, he's the National Player of the Year. The numbers are just there, and the competition level, uh, night in, night out in the Big Ten, what he is doing, uh, you know, he he is my guy. But I understand that I'm not I'm not the the voting block for that. But the the things he is doing, the records he's set to break, the the trophy case he's about to fill up, uh, is just something unlike anything we've ever seen, and, and maybe ever will see again in a Hawkeye uniform. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great story. It just you know you look for uh, inspirational stories in sports, and he is one of those guys. I mean, he was uh, you know a guy who was admittedly overweight. You know, when he, his first few years of high school, and France started to recruit him, and France saw something in him, and said, you know, you you it's up to you. You know, if you want to do this, if you get yourself in shape. You work at it. You can you can be a really good player. Now I don't know if Fran saw this coming, right? Uh, but Fran was the first one to offer him a scholarship, and then as he did what Fran told you know recommended for him to do in terms of getting in better shape and becoming a guy that can run the floor and never going to be the most athletic guy out there, but you know a, a cerebral player, high basketball IQ, very skilled. All the things that Fran thought he could be, Luca took to heart and did. And then as he went on in his high school career, other schools noticed that. And then he became a four-star and other schools started to offer. But he stuck with Iowa because Iowa was the school that you know, first saw that in him and encouraged, encouraged him to be what he, he's become. And now everybody is... I, I've noticed it more this week, Andrew, and you touched on it. Everybody's starting to kind of plant their flags for who should be player of the year mm-hmm. in the country. Yep. It seems like, you know, you've got uh, Marcus Howard from Marquette, and Miles Powell from Seton Hall, Obi Toppin from, from Dayton. Um, you know, they're, we're going to start to see that. And I'm somebody who votes for, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm the, uh, um, a member of the, the basketball writers association of America and we had a vote yesterday on All-Americans and All-Region and Player of the Year. I think it's the Oscar Robertson Award that we vote on. Okay. And, I, and I obviously voted Luca because, to me, he's doing it in the toughest conference in the country. 
Um, but I, I don't, I can't get in the minds of all the guys that are going to vote for all these different awards, whether it be the wooden, uh, AP national player of the year. There, there are a number of different national player of the year awards. So it's going to, it's, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. It's going to be a matter of what these guys, you know, what they see, how much, how much have they seen Luca? That's why it's important, Andrew, that Iowa finishes the season strong and, uh, you know, maybe he finished and he himself finished this season strong. Mm-hmm. He, he can't have a, I don't see it happening. He's been so consistent. I, I don't see him having clunker games here to finish, uh, but he has to keep it up. And I think it also helps if Iowa can continue to win. Yeah, exactly. The more Iowa's on the national radar, the, the better it's going to be And winning these next two games and uh, getting, you know, maybe a top four seed in, in the big 10 tournament will certainly help that Garz is not the sexiest guy. He, he's not the most athletic guy. He'll tell you that, uh, you know, it's, he, he's not the guy with the best, NBA prospects in, in college basketball right now, but as you said, what he's doing night in, night out, the, the best league in, in basketball, and not, it doesn't take any, anything away from those other guys, but the consistency that Garza has uh, is just incredible. We talk about seeding in the Big Ten. I think with a win tonight, uh, I believe Iowa can be no worse than a six seed in the Big Ten tournament. You probably need, uh, I think you certainly, you definitely need to beat Illinois to get into that top four and get that double bye, and as you said, that that's a game that everybody has had circled since the game in Carver, uh, which was such a dogfight. And man, I, this is what we were hoping for. I remember right after that game, you and I talked and said, you know, it, there's a chance that that final Sunday, you know, there will be a lot on the line as far as Big Ten seeding and national rankings, NCAA seeding, all of this stuff. And now we're sitting here on the cusp of it, Rob, and and we're there, and it's it's all happened. And Iowa and Illinois have both played their way into a position where this game means a lot and can really, as we saw in the first game amp up this rivalry to a to a new level which i think everybody uh is excited about yeah without question and you know tonight iowa plays the late game at eight o'clock the two early games are michigan state at penn state and maryland at rutgers (laughs) so iowa will know when it starts tonight kind of what has happened with two other important games because this thing is so jumbled up that uh, this whole week all these games are going to be are all important. It's not Iowa can only do what Iowa can do, yeah. and if it can win these two games, there you go. You're, you're probably a top four seed, but it'll be interesting to see what else happens around it. So, um, but yeah, that and and the interesting thing about Sunday's game, Andrew, is it's the six o'clock game. It's the late Sunday game. It's the final game. <laughs> So they'll know. Ex- both teams will know exactly what's at stake when they take the court at the. Uh, what the heck is that thing now? Is it the Allstate Arena? Sure. It's a, it's <laughs> yeah, well, a, Assembly Hall in, in Champaign. That's right. Yeah, it's exactly. sponsored by somebody that I don't know and doesn't pay for this podcast, so I don't exactly. care. It'll always be Assembly Hall, right? <laughs> uh, the State Farm Center. I got you. You, you were okay. close. See, you were close. They, you got, a, they got a plug, <laughs> so send us a, they can send the check to somebody. Please, please. Hawkeye Nation. Yes, and you're right. It, it's almost a, a foolish task to try to plan out. Exa- I saw one, one. you know, somebody had put together a way that there's, you know, the, the big tie at the top of the league, and, and Iowa gets the one seed in the Big Ten tournament, that sort of a thing. But so many things would have to fall into place. There's so many games among the top teams right now left to be played that uh, it, it'd be foolish to try to guess to what's going to happen as you said if Iowa wins these two games they'll put themselves in a great position if they lose not so much NCAA seeding I think uh, the the latest bracketology I've seen 
as Iowa right about a five seed, uh, maybe a six. Um, I think, you know, you lose out, you, you may drop to a seven, which obviously you don't want to do. You don't want to be in a position where you're playing a two seed on that, that second game. Right. Um, you, you win out and win the Big Ten tournament. Maybe you play yourself up to a, a three seed. Um, but I, I think a safe bet's probably a five right now. It'll be interesting to see how much the committee uses the net, which uh, doesn't seem to like Iowa very much. Um, so, so that'll be interesting. But, Rob, I've been thinking about this. And I've been trying to ask some of my Hawkeye buddies um, their opinion on this because expectations change so much through a season, and especially a long season like a basketball season. And clearly, if you had said to any Iowa fan at the start of the season, this is where we would be sitting at the beginning of March, I think anybody would have taken it, gladly taken it. It's been a very fun season, and and almost nothing could happen at this point that would make this a disappointing season when you look at it on on a macro level. But again, we're human, and things change, and our expectations change, and now we sit here you know, on the eve of the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, and there's a carrot out there that just hasn't been hasn't been reached in two decades now at Iowa, in this century that that Fran McCaffrey has never gotten to, and that's the Sweet 16. Um, I I can't go as far as to say anything short of a Sweet 16 would be a disappointment for all the reasons I just laid out. This is a successful basketball season already at this point, but... With the new expectations, with Garza playing the way he is, with CJ back at, at full strength, it it does kind of feel like this team needs to get to a Sweet 16 for it to feel for 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 fa- the fan base to feel satisfied. Is is that fair? Am I or am I way off base here? Yeah, I'm not sure. I have a great handle on that, Andrew. Um, yeah, I think the bar has been raised. I agree with you. The bar has been raised by what Iowa has been able to do this year. It's shown that it's capable, and it's certainly, you know, it, it, it it's in that area when you talk when you look just on a national landscape. It's a Sweet Sixteen is not outlandish, and if, like you said, if you would have said that before the season, people would have locked, locked you in the rubber room. You yeah, know, right. That, uh, wait, Sweet Sixteen? Are you crazy? They lost Cook and Moss and Bear, um, but now that, like I said, they've raised the bar. Uh, there's a couple things here. Number one, you know, the Big Ten tournament is first. Iowa hasn't played on Saturday at the Big Ten tournament since 2006 when they won it against Ohio State in the championship game. So that's 14 years. Mm. You know, and if you put it in that perspective, I think Luca Garza was like seven the last time they made it to the (laughs) semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. So that's kind of one thing. I think if they were to lose on Friday, whether that be win on Thursday, you know, or get the double bye and don't start till Friday – Either way, if they don't make it to Saturday, I, I know there's going to be some blowback from people because that's just the narrative. Here we go again. They didn't make it to Saturday. This is now 15 years or 14 years, whatever it is. I'm terrible at math, but whatever it is, that drought. And then, like you said, when they get to the big dance, the last time they made it to the Sweet 16 was those are the two narratives that are out there right now. And I just, it's not just this Iowa team. It's going to be any Iowa team is, has to break through that to be able to put it to bed. And that's what's in front, front of this team right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Basketball is fun. We, we have a cool thing on the on the site right now, HawkeyeNation.com, the Big Ten Pick'em Challenge. It's, a, yeah. it's open, I think, beginning uh, tomorrow on, on Wednesday. Uh, and, and winner will get two tickets to the Polk County iClub Spring Football Banquet. They, the date of that is uh, early April, uh, tentatively the April 7th at the Horizons Event Center in Clive. Retail value of those tickets, $80. Kirk Ferentz, and you'll have four or five players from last year's team in attendance. Gary Dolphin will MC. Chuck Long and Podolak are, are there to speak and uh so so that's going to be fun so yeah starting tomorrow go to hawkeyenation.com and pick some games big 10 challenge pick them uh at hawkeyenation.com and and check out hawkeyenation.com for all the cool stuff you mentioned that matt gaten's interview that's in the feed right now that was fantastic uh you're I, i've really enjoyed rob your your mailbag podcast those have been fun and so uh, a, a lot of really cool stuff going on at hawkeye nation right now i uh, want to encourage everybody to check all of that out Moving on to to women's basketball here, Rob. Uh, the, the women, 13th in NCAA seeding that came out last night, that despite a loss at Rutgers uh, over the weekend. And the big story then, Kathleen Doyle, Big Ten Player of the Year, the third year in a row that a Hawkeye is the Big Ten Player of the Year in women's basketball. That's just incredible. Yeah, and I, I don't – it's kind of like the men's team. This is um... – this team's exceeded expectations. I don't no. think there's any any way around that, any doubt about it. They just – you lose the national player of the year and two other senior starters, and you just expect there to be a, at least, a you know, re- rebuilding to some degree. And this team just hasn't done that this year. I think finished third, third seed in the Big Ten tournament. Yep, yep. Um, top 25 uh, in line to potentially – uh, host, I think. Are they a three seed now they in are. the NCAA projections? Uh, I think ju- they'd be the first four seed, I believe. But first yeah, four seed. Okay, still, so. still set to host. So yeah, if they can win a game in in uh, Indianapolis at the end of this week, that probably gives them. A, you know, that probably locks up a. Um, uh, a the chance for them to host again, and and as we've talked about, that's just. Just such a huge advantage. So, um, yeah, and she's just been, you know, she had a lot of other opportunities and just kind of felt like Iowa was the place for her. And it's just she's really blossomed here and turned into she took a situation where this team needed somebody to take over as a leader with the with uh, with Megan and 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 uh, Hannah Stewart and. um uh, Tanaya Davis leaving after last year, they needed somebody to step up and be that alpha, and uh, she's done that. She's she's tough, man. I've the games I've gone to this year, she's like Luca in that she'll you know she takes hits, gets hammered on, uh, physical player, different type of player, obviously being a point guard, but. Uh, yeah, it was cool to see, and then uh, I would encourage people if they haven't seen it yet on social media when she finds yes. out from Coach Bluter when she w- walks into the women's basketball 
office over at Carver Hawkeye Arena yesterday. That uh, that was pretty cool stuff. Man, they do such a good job of that. I remember last year when when Megan Gustafson won National Player of the Year. They had set up a, a like a, a video thing, kind of like that, where she was sitting there reading letters from people, and one of the letters was, you know, you are the AP <laughs> National Player of the Year. Uh, I was really kind of stepped up their social media game these last few years, so that that's been a lot of fun to watch. You mentioned uh, the the Hawkeye women, the three seed in the Big Ten tournament, so they will play late Friday night. Um, they're the, the last game of the night. The game before them starts at, um, I think it says 6.30 on the bracket. That may be 5.30 Central Time. Uh, regardless, they'll be like half an hour after that game concludes, and Iowa will play either Ohio State uh, or Minnesota or Penn State. So you like Iowa's chances to win that first game Friday night. Then you have another late game Saturday night against most likely uh, second seed Northwestern. They, they will play Michigan or Nebraska on Friday as well. So uh, if Iowa can get there... Um, then you know you get past Northwestern possibly on Saturday night, and the championship game is Sunday evening, and that is a, a five o'clock tip. I know that, so yeah, these are Eastern times on my bracket here. So, uh, like a five thirty game for Northwestern on Friday night, I will be a half hour after that. But that that'll be fun to keep an eye on and, and watch. And then obviously, as the uh, NCAA seeding comes out, and expect Iowa to host the game there. Uh, the NFL Combine was last week, and a lot of Hawkeyes involved there. I didn't get to, I didn't dive too deep into this, Rob. So I, I don't know how how much you want to go into this. Obviously, we'll go into this a lot more when there's a pro day and an NFL draft. Uh, you know, a, a little closer than it is right now. But uh, I guess my takeaways were that Tristan Wirfs is an athletic freak, which we all knew, but maybe uh, not to this extent. Uh, he he really had a great showing at the combine, turned a lot of heads. That that was a big story out of there, even nationally, was the kind of things he did. AJ Epinesa, I guess a little disappointing um maybe not the the numbers that some people expected but again it's one of these things where you see him on tape uh and and aj is going to be a great football player anywhere he plays didn't see a whole lot on on gino stone nate stanley or or michael ojimudia um don't expect those guys to be you know really first or maybe even second day picks but i think they'll all find a place in the league uh as backups or you know in stone or or ojimudia's case um you know maybe getting a start but i guess what were your takeaways from the combine any thing i missed there yeah i saw one i think i i let me pull this up here yeah here it is um notable vertical jumps at the nfl combine the last two last 10 years so last decade tristan Wirfs, 36 and a half inches on a vertical leap he's 6'5 320 pounds DeAndre Hopkins, the all-pro wide receiver from the uh, Houston Texans, uh, half inch shorter than Tristan Wirfs. He, he jumped 36. That's incredible. Jerry Judy and, and CeeDee Lamb were 35 and 34 and a half, respectively. A.J. Green, the receiver for the Bengals, 34 and a half. And Amari Cooper, uh, former Alabama receiver, now with the Raiders, 33 inches. So wow. Wirfs is an athletic freak. And I, I, I think he was the story. It just, I mean, it's uh, he was the story for Iowa and really one of the stories of the combine, what, what he, he was able to do in terms of, you know, the vertical leap, the broad jump, uh, his broad jump was 10 feet, one inch was, which tied to the combine record for an offensive lineman. That 36 and a half inch vertical leap was a combine record for an offensive lineman. He ran a four, eight, five forty. And I looked it up, Robert Galloway and everybody remembers how good of an athlete he ran. He ran a four, nine, seven. Wow. At the combine. So, and then 
Tristan did 24 reps on the bench. But, uh, yeah, I think he solidified himself as a top 10 pick. I think Ojemudia uh, really surprised people. Hmm. Um, and I think he may have moved himself into that third, fourth round territory. Wow. Um, if you look at how his numbers matched up with some of the other cornerbacks that were at the Combine, he was among the top uh, performers in terms of, uh, I mean, he ran a four four five forty at whatever he was. He's, I think he's, he came in at like six one, uh, at a four, four, five, 36 inch vertical leap. Um, he's uh six, one, 200 for, for Ojemudia. So I think he, he and Wirfs definitely helped themselves the most. I think Nate Stanley helped himself. Mm. Uh, he did really well in the throwing drills. Uh, also ran a nice 40, um, AJ Epinesa, I know a lot of people are focusing on his five five second forty. I just don't think it's that it, like it's not that important that Tristan Wirfs ran a four eight five. Other than to say, holy crap, Tristan Wirfs ran a <laughs> four eight five. It's not really important football wise, and I don't think that five zero is really going to kill Epinesa. And he he did all right in the other testing. He wasn't. He wasn't just awful in the other testing. That I still think he's probably in that middle of the first round area. So I don't think he really hurt himself. And then um, if there was somebody who had, a, and I think we talked about this last week, Andrew, the, the guy who could have helped himself the most, I think, was Geno Stone, um, and he did not. He, I mean, he ran a four six two, which isn't terrible. Um, and he measured in at 510 207 which isn't bad i think people were surprised that he was you know that tall and and had that much weight to him uh, but not he didn't test really well in the other uh, areas so he's going to need a really good pro day and i thought he was probably a back end of the draft guy anyway to a free agent and i he just didn't do well enough down in indianapolis to pull himself out of that area hmm well, well, we'll get into more of that, obviously, as uh, as this continues and we get closer to the NFL draft. The final thing, just a, a quick mention, Big Ten Wrestling uh, Championships are this weekend at the Rack in New Jersey. Uh, I expect Iowa to, to do well there, uh, have a bunch of individual Big Ten champions, and uh, and beat Penn State for the, the championship. Andrew, they have 10 wrestlers that are three, three, seated three or better. <laughs> That's incredible. At the Big, that, at the big Ten uh, Championships. That's insane. They have t- all 10 of their wrestlers are seated no worse than third. Wow. With Kemmerer and Spencer Lee, obviously, both undefeated this year, are number one at 125 and 174, respectively. Then you've got Pat Lugo at 149, Caleb Young at 157, Alex Marinelli at 165. Alex is the defending Big Ten champion. All number two seeds. Then Austin DeSanto, Max Murin, um, Abe Asad, and Jacob Varner, and Tony Cassiopeia are all, all three seeds. So we had, uh, I went to a press conference with Tom Brands yesterday, Monday, uh, and <laughs> it's funny because people try to get to bat. So you're the favorite, right, Tom? I mean, you guys are the prohibitive favorite. You look at these seeds, and he's just not playing that at all. He's not playing that at all. So I don't think these guys are going to look at their seeding at all. But if you look at it on paper, they are the prohibitive favorite to win the Big Tens. And then that sets you up for good seeding at the, the NCAA tournament later this month up in Minneapolis. And that sets us up for a fun Hawkeye Nation podcast a week from now when 
and uh, the uh, the regular season basketball is in the books. The Big Ten championships are in the books, and uh, the Big Ten tournament on the women's side is in the books. We'll have a lot to talk about a week from now. A lot going on on the site as always. Check out everything Rob does and and all the guys do. the The podcast feeds have been fun. It's it's been a really cool time at Hawkeye Nation, uh, and and a big game tonight for the Hawks at Purdue. Maybe some people listening to this on their way over to Carver Hawkeye Arena. I'm going to be in attendance for the first time this season. You know, I, I, I try to get over there at least a couple of times a year. Uh, we had a, a new baby this year, so it's, it's been difficult, but I thought, man, I cannot miss a chance to see this team that everybody has just fallen in love with. So I'll be over there. I'm going to try to do some some sort of a uh, an instant reaction podcast. Probably won't be up until late tonight, so maybe a good uh, commute podcast for uh, Wednesday morning. Where are your seats at? Uh, they're not great. They're <laughs> <laughs> They're not great. We'll just put it that way. I had because I posted some on Twitter, like, "Oh, I'm going to be there." People are like, "Oh, you got some great seats?" No, no. Just uh, well, yeah. if you're into kicking in a few more bucks, and I don't know what your financial situation is, if you go to the southeast corner, there are always scalpers out there, and they'll ter- they'll trade if you oh. have if you already have tickets. A friend of mine was there last week, and. He had a decent ticket, and he ended up trading up, and it cost him like twenty bucks, and he had just great seats. Oh wow! So, little tip there if you there guys you want go. to try that. I will have to check that out. Rob, thank you as ever, man. This is always fun. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Andrew. All right, thank you for listening. Go Hawks. 